Hello everyone, it's Dimpner here from I Love Real Estate and welcome to all my gorgeous listeners out there. Look, in today's podcast, what I'd like to do is to take you back to a series of events that I did called the Great Real Estate Reset of 2021. And I've broken the event down into a number of different components. And the very, very first thing that I want to share with you, I'm going to cut across to, to the live event because I know you're absolutely going to love it. And one of the first things that I talk about is the, the, the mistakes, not really the mistakes, but the things that we've learned from 2020. I mean, 2020 was such a tumultuous year. You know, it was, it, I think the most ridiculous thing I ever bought was the, um, uh, it was a day planner for 2020 because you couldn't plan anything. Everything changed and a lot of things will never go back. So I thought it'd be great to break this particular event down because I go through a lot of really cool information and I've done it over a series of events. So this is part one of the Great Real Estate Reset. And I want to talk about what we've learned from 2021. So I'll take you across to the beginning of this event. I know you're going to enjoy it and I'll see you on the other side. Now you can see on the slide there, I've got investment strategies, tactics, systems to accelerate your financial freedom plans in the next 12 months. The word I really want to uh, put across to you is financial freedom. Now, this is a word that's tossed around a lot, but in reality, it's a different thing for everybody. You know, for you, it might be, it might be paying off your debt. It might be actually having no debt on any of your, of your home, your car, your, your credit cards. That might be financial freedom for you. And that's okay. Because today I'm going to be challenging you as to what your version of financial freedom actually is. It might mean having, say, $100,000 in passive income. Now, I've been known as the passive income queen or the income replacement queen for a long, long time now. Because that's what I did. I replaced my income. And when you replace your income, what happens is you get your, your time back, you buy back your freedom. And for me, my belief is that having income replacement is actually far more valuable than how many properties you've got or what they're worth. Because cash flow gives you that lifestyle. So maybe your version of financial freedom is about passive income. It certainly was for me. Maybe it's about, you know, the lifestyle. Maybe it's about being able to take a couple of really good holidays every year and be able to easily afford that. Is that, would that make you feel financially free? You know, I don't know. It's your version, not mine. Would having a, a half a million dollars in the bank, would that make you feel financially free? And the thing is, and when you look at the, uh, you know, some who are considered to be some of the wealthiest in the world, someone like, say, Mark Zuckerberg, now, he still gets around in his jeans and his hoodies and his, you know, and his flat shoes. And, that, and that's, that's him. That's who he is. Warren Buffett, he still lives in the house that he bought back in 1958. He bought it for $31,000. That's his version. So I want you to really step back and consider today what your version of financial freedom is. Because I can't do that for you. You see... You start here today in whatever financial position you're in, whatever that is. But as we move forward through your life and you start to do things and you start to change things, and you start to get ahead, 
then uh, you're going to start to, to want something. Now, whether that's to be able to help somebody else out, whether it's be able to buy a home, whatever that version is for you, I call that a peg in the sand. And that peg in the sand is what I want you to really think about today. Because I'm going to throw a lot of stuff at you. I've got a lot of information. I've got a lot of bits and pieces that I want to share with you about the market, about where we're heading, what's going to happen over the next five years and why and how and all the proof behind it. I'm going to be talking about how to structure your portfolio, how to be able to replace your income, how to build sizable portfolios. But all of that is going to be useless to you unless you know where you're heading, your version of financial freedom. So I want you to think about that. In fact, why don't we share it on the screen today? Give it to me on the chat room. What? Uh, and first of all, welcome, of course, to everybody in the Zoom room and to Facebook. But share it. Share it in the comments in Facebook. Share it in the in the the Zoom room. Tell me what your version of financial freedom is. Jake's come in and says he wants to retire in seven years. I tell you what, Jake, you've got a you've got a a, a, um, a great period of time in those seven years to be able to make those happen. So uh, retire when you're sixty, which is ten years. Lots of retirement going on here. Income without working. Yep, income replacement. That's what I'm about. Passive income. Uh, generate passive income. Lots of passive income. Goodness me, they're going through so fast. Michael, can you read some of them for me? I can see lots and lots of passive income. I don't know how to slow them down, Dimna, but there's debt-free, pay off a home loan faster, asset building, do what I want and when I want it, uh, passive income 100K so I don't have to work to pay my bills, income replacement, financial freedom, not have to worry about how I pay my bills as well. 100 million in five years. <laughs> okay. My version of financial freedom is to replace my income in five years, retire a student. Pay private school fees, <laughs> total freedom, passive income, buy second property. <laughs> All right, we get it, we get it. <laughs> uh, travel, all... travel is there too. That's the first time I've seen travel. Okay, very good. Well, look, I want you to hold fast to that because I'm going to be challenging you today about um, how to actually achieve that. And I'm going to be throwing a lot of stuff at you, as I said. So keep that in mind as to what that version of your financial freedom is because I can tell you one thing, and this is, this is for certain, this is fact. If you don't know what that is, if you can't define exactly, precisely, and succinctly what financial freedom is to you, you're never going to get it. And today, I hope, is going to cover a lot of ground for you to be able to, to have the resources to actually achieve that financial freedom. So welcome today. Welcome to the massive roll-up that we've, we've got today, the Great Real Estate Reset of 2021. Um, and uh, let me go through very quickly for you what we're going to be covering today. So one of the, one of the first things we're going to be covering here is the Roaring Twenties are back. The Roaring Twenties. Now, I doubt anybody's actually on the call today who uh, would have remembered the Roaring Twenties of the 1920s. But they were called the Roaring Twenties for a reason. I'm sure you remember it from history, at least. Financially across the globe, the world surged ahead. Now, it came off the back of, actually, a pandemic. It came off the back of a recession. It came off the back of a downturn in the market. Well, that sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Well, I'm going to explain to you the economic data as to why 
the 2020s are going to be the roaring 20s again and how we will have a correction but it's not now it's a fair way down the track and this afternoon i'm even going to name the date when i believe that the that the correction in the market will happen but we've got a fair bit of opportunity between now and then that we must take up take up so that's the first thing next thing i've got here is i'm going to unveil the investment formula for you to actually follow in order to get that financial freedom whatever that is for you i'm going to be uh, show you how to shield your wealth portfolio how to actually structure your investments so that no, no one can take them away it. from you so no one can take them away from you because we live in a litigated society we live in a, a world that's very, very different from the one that uh, you're probably born into. And we need to be aware of how it works and how to protect ourselves and our investments and our passive income and our ability to earn income and all of those good things that you wrote up there about what your version of financial freedom actually is. Then I've got the ugly truth about negative gearing. Some of you are going to be hardcore proponents of negative gearing. Well, I'm going to slash that for you. Negative gearing sucks. Negative gearing is one of the things that holds you back. And if you want to replace your income, if you want to build a sizable portfolio, if you actually want to, to retire in two years, three years, four years, five years, 10 years, whatever you put up there on the board when I asked you what your version was, then you're going to have to stop negative gearing because negative gearing is holding you back from any of those things. I'm going to go through the 12 underlying market drivers. I'm going to start with the first 10 this morning. And then this afternoon, I'm going to go through probably uh, some of the most astounding ones this afternoon, the last two. So there's 12 in total. I'm going to do 10 this morning and I'm going to do two this afternoon. Because when you understand these, you will see just how important it is for you to be able to, to maximize your situation, to be able to, to, to build that portfolio really quickly. But you're going to have to take action on that. And I want to explain how that, that, that needs to happen. I'm going to discuss the most likely scenario of property pricing over the next five years. Now, I'll tell you a few stories this morning about uh, predictions that I've made in the past and how I've been right. Now, will I be right this time? Well, that's for you to decide but at least you'll have some hardcore facts to be able to make that decision on. And I'm going to show you how active investors are replacing their income in the three to seven year mark. Now, just think about it, income replacement, oh my goodness. What would you do with your time if you had your income replaced? Now, that's a question I'm going to come back to this morning when you've got a little bit more understanding. So congratulations for being here. Uh, for making the effort and turning up on time and all of those sorts of things. I've got lots and lots of prizes and gifts to give you. Uh, the day is going to be pretty heavy. There's a bit of a warning there. It's going to get heavy. But I thought I'd start off this morning with a gift for everybody. Now, I've got lots of gifts to give out throughout the entire day. But of course, you've got to be here to get them. So the first gift I want to give you is this one. Now, my book over there, Confessions of a Real Estate Millionaire, this is my story. This is how I replaced my income. And I was a single mum with two kids to bring up on my own. Um, I, you know, I was building a burgeoning accountancy practice. I walked out of divorce with a grand total of $40,000 in my back pocket. 
I made it stretch. I bought a two-bedroom fibro shack with an asbestos roof that leaked when it rained, and that's where I lived. I bought a 74-square-meter office where I ran the accountancy practice from. And I got to tell you, times were tough. Now, I'd come from the corporate sphere. I had previously been in, um, I was basically, well, I went to uni in Canberra. I grew up in central Queensland. I went overseas for a year. Uh, I, was, uh, I worked for Coopers and Lyrand, one of the big accounting firms at the time. It was a, uh, you know, now Price Waterhouse Coopers. And then I got headhunted. I went out into private enterprise and I was financial controller of a lot of different organisations. Now, back in those days, I was pretty much the fix-it. You know, I would go into companies that were ailing, middle-sized companies that were, oh, they weren't making the money that they should have been making. Some of them were making losses. And it was my job to turn them around, bring them back to profitability, and then train somebody else to come in behind me and I'd move on to the next contract. So that's what I did for a number of years. I earned a lot of money in those first few years. So it's kind of surprising that I only walked out with $40,000 uh, out of my divorce. But, you know, you live and learn. Wasted all the money on my, my first husband. But as I say, you live and learn. If you don't learn from your mistakes, then uh, yeah, it, it's a wasted mistake, isn't it? So then um, I got a baby in arms. I'm pregnant. Uh, I've given up the corporate career to try and save the marriage. It didn't work. And I thought, what the heck am I going to do now? And that's where things changed. You know, that's where I decided that uh, I needed to go into survival mode. And I actually decided, because I had all the tickets, I had certified financial planner, I was a, you know, a tax agent, a certified accountant, all the rest of the stuff. I had all the tickets to do anything I wanted to do. But it was really, it was tough times, you know. I, it hurts when you've got to put your six-week-old baby into full-time daycare for somebody else to raise along with your toddler. But that's how it was, because if I didn't work, they didn't eat. So I, I stuck it out for a few years. I built the business. I'd done a few things there. But realistically, um, there was a moment. There was a moment in time which was my trigger. And I hope today is going to be a trigger for you. That trigger was me sitting in my office, looking at my beautiful sunset out my window and thinking, I don't want this life for the rest of my life. Now, that statement to myself, knowing I don't want this for the rest of my life, then led me to the next question. So what do you want? And that really is just another way of saying, what's your version of financial freedom? And you know, it took me about three weeks to kind of work out what that was, of thinking every afternoon after I finished work, before I picked up the kids. It took me, it took me about three weeks to work out really clearly what that was. But once I had that picture in my head, that's when I go, right, how am I going to do that? And of course, real estate was my vehicle. I'd been a financial controller of a stockbroking firm in the past. I know my way around shares, but I realized that it just wasn't my thing. Um, I've been in business. You know, my, my whole career was about turning businesses around and making them profitable. But I knew the workload that went into that. And I had two small kids to bring up on my own. And I realized also that there were certain types of property that I could buy that were actually da -da -da, positively geared. Now, you've got to think back to those times. I had been brought up through all of my financial training, all the financial planning, all the, the, the university, postgraduate studies. Everything said you got to negatively gear. And I'm sitting there going, I can't afford the negative gear. I haven't got the money for that. How can I actually have the life that I want? When I'm negative gearing, I have to work my butt off just to be able to afford these properties. That's not what I want. 
surely there must be another way. And then I started and you know, it only took me 18 months to totally replace my accountancy income that I had been working 40 to 60 hours a week for with passive real estate income. And uh, I, say, I tell you about all of that in this book. This book here is, is about all of that. It's about how I replace my income. Now, every second chapter is what I did. And every second chapter is what I could have, should have done because I didn't do everything right. And I actually feel that you can learn as much from somebody's mistakes as you can from their successes. So it's a warts and all book. And I'm giving it to you for free this morning. I know it's going to help you achieve your passive income uh, figure as well. I'm also going to give you this one here. Now, this is a, um, a magazine that I put together every year. And it's a whole lot of articles by me, but it's also... Uh, stories of my students and what they've done and how they did it and how they replaced their income. Because I think one of the most inspiring things is when you can see someone else achieve what you want to achieve. You've got something to follow. You've got something to even just change your mind to go, well, they can do it. I can do it. And it changes your mindset. So this is my first gift to you this morning. Uh, Michael, you might come on and tell, tell us all how this squiggly box works. Sure, Demna. That squiggly box is what's called a QR code, a quick read code. So you just need to take your smart device, which is generally your camera, put it up to the screen and take a photo of that squiggly box. What will happen is if your smart uh, device is actually, you know, got the settings correct, it will recognize that it's a link and you just have to click on it and it will take you to that download tab where you can download it. It's a very, very quick and easy way to get to a link. If it doesn't work for whatever reason, no problems. Christy has posted it into the Zoom chat as well. She's also posted it onto Facebook in the comments as well. So either way, you'll be able to get those downloads, but the, the QR code makes it a little bit easier and quicker. Fantastic. So thank you for that. And thanks to those who um, you know acknowledge that that uh, of the gifts and things that I'm going to be giving you throughout the day. So let's first of all start with a few lessons that we've learned from 2020, you know, seven investment lessons, because 2020 has been a bit of a shake up for everybody, uh, myself included, and it was all about adaptability. I mean, expect the unexpected was one of the overarching lessons from 2020. And you don't know what's ahead. You don't know what's coming with any huge certainty, although you can do a lot of facts and figures and, and uh, you know, have very good probability of what's going to happen. But sometimes you get a few curveballs. And that is why it's so important to have a strategic plan that you are following. And not just a plan A, but a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, etc. So that you are always in a position of safety. And when we're talking about investing, it's talking about making investment decisions based on data and you have a probability of success. It's not gambling. When you buy something and you've got no control over the outcome, that's gambling. And I'll talk to you a little bit about that later on as to why a lot of people just gamble. Uh, they don't think they're gambling. They call it investing, but it's not. Let me say something else here. I will not sell you a property. I think it is fundamentally wrong for me to teach you how to do things and then go, oh, look, I just happen to have one of those. Because the people who do that, typically those properties are forty dollars to $80,000 overpriced. You could have bought exactly the same thing or produced exactly the same thing, forty dollars to $80,000 cheaper. I will not do that. I'll teach you how to do things, 
but I will not sell you a property. I love this quote by Charles Darwin. He said, it's not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent, but the one with the, that is the most responsive to change. And that's, a, that's what we learned from 2020. Can we adapt? Can we move with the times? Can we do Zoom? You know, can we learn this way? Somebody said earlier, you know, it's great to, to, uh, to have the Zoom because there's no parking, <laughs> there's no traffic. You're in your living rooms, you know where the coffee machine is, you know where the fridge is. You know, you can jump up and have those at any time. So we have had to adapt. And a lot of the, the things that have come about meant that they're actually better than they were before. But previously, we might've been a little bit resistant to change. Well, it's taken COVID to actually give us that shakeup. The next thing I've got here is that the mainstream media is here to entertain and not educate. We've got these new words, thanks to the outgoing president of fake news and, you know, liar, liar, pants on fire and all this kind of stuff. Can we actually believe what we're hearing in mainstream media? Well, of course, to some degree, there's always truth in it. But there was actually a court case a few years ago, and this is for one of the morning shows. And I think you should take this on board because a lot of you will take your learning and news from you know, who's on the morning shows, and they're all pretty much the same. But on this morning show, they, uh, they said something or other, I can't even remember what it's about now, but uh, they were taken to court because it was proved to be incorrect. And the judge ruled, get this, that they were an entertainment program, not a news program, and consequently, um, there was no charges laid. New, they were an entertainment program, not a news program. So I really want you to take that on board because you've got to go back to source data. And that's what I'm going to show you some of this morning. It's source data. You can make up your own mind what it means, but at least it's coming from the likes of, you know, the Reserve Bank of Australia or Australian Bureau of Statistics or the, you know, some of the, the international banking systems, et cetera, where, you know, this is what is happening. There is no refuting it. This is what the markets are showing. And that's where you have to make your decisions from. The other thing is that there isn't a one-size-fits-all in the Australian property market. What's happening in Sydney, Melbourne, anywhere else is not necessarily what's happening where you are. All the cities are responding differently, slightly differently. There's a little bit of an overarching commonality, uh, but not everywhere. Now, that what I'm saying here is you can't just buy on a hot tip. You can't buy on a hot spot. What you need to do is have a mechanism to determine what areas are going to make you the most money out of manufactured growth. Now, I have trademarked, I have formulated a grid variance analysis process that is wholly and solely mine. It, it, it is not available anywhere else. And if they are, then it's a version that, that may or may not be accurate. Grid variance analysis analyzes succinctly clearly where you should be investing. Now, it's a process I teach you how to do. I mean, give it to me on the chat room. Who wants to know where they should be investing at any given time? Give it to me on the chat room. Would, would that just take the confusion out of everything? Of course it would. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, please. All those things. Well, that's where, you know, don't ask me, oh, where should I invest in Sydney? I'm going to tell you grid variance analysis or anywhere else. Because the thing with grid variance analysis is it is timely. I call it GVA. It is timely, 
it is accurate, whether we're talking about Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, Alice Springs, New York, London, Paris. You do this process, it will tell you where you need to be investing. Now, the thing with this is, you, I, one of the other things that I give all of my students is a feasibility study software program. So what that does, it tells you what strategy is going to work best and how much money it's going to make you and which property is better than the other. So that little combination combined takes the risk um, out of the unknowing about the market. It gives you a formula to follow. Now, when we talk investing, not gambling, that's what you need. You need a formula that to follow that's going to give you a result within a 10% margin. And that's where... Uh, you know, you're actually investing. You're not just you're not just gambling, in my opinion. Number four I have here is you can always find reasons not to invest. There's always going to be something going on in your life, whatever it is. They are excuses. You know, I'm too busy right now. The market hasn't bottomed out yet. It's too hard to get financing. My grandmother's dog said I shouldn't. Whatever. <laughs> You're going to look back. Hindsight is a great teacher. And if you choose not to actually take some action over this next short period of time, you are going to look back and you are going to kick yourself. I know that for sure. So please come with an open mind. Start to think about all of the things that we've got here and start to limit your own excuses. Excuses are just you holding you back. Because as I say, hindsight is a great teacher. Number five is that time is precious. That is one thing that COVID has definitely taught us. Time is very, very precious. You know, the moments that we spend doing this or that or whatever, you never get them back. This week, I've lost two amazing souls in my life. And it's a gentle, probably a sledgehammer reminder um, that life is fragile and it is very precious. And, um, you know, we need to maximize our time doing the things that we want to do in life. And money is just a tool. Money is, is just something that we either choose or we don't. Now, I know if you're sitting there and you don't have money at the moment, you're going, yeah, sure. But it really is. Because if you step up, you start to, to put systems into place, you start to educate yourself then it's a matter of process. And that process is about you having the things in your life that you choose to have. Life is too short not to have financial freedom in your life, whatever that version is for you. Prepare for the worst case scenario. You know, this is, really comes back to number one. It's about plan B, plan C, plan C, plan D, etc. You know, we've learned things um, through 2020, like the importance of having structures to protect our assets, about owning the right type of asset, about, you know, having a diversified portfolio across the varying sectors, having cash flow buffers. These are all things that we've been talking about for years, but unless you had them put in place and something like COVID hits, it really comes home to roost that, you, you know, you, you've got some holes in your strategy. Um, insurance reassurance, uh, passive income to protect you through a recession, uh, stop deciding whether you should invest for capital or cash flow because you've got to have both. It's not one or the other. It's absolutely both. 
you know, 2020 highlighted the opportunity cost of underperforming assets in your portfolio. So I'm going to talk about that as well as we go through the day. And don't be a sheep. You know, the only thing that happens with sheep, and you can see them all here lining up to jump off the cliff together. That's what happens. Zig Ziglar and he's when you're there zigging, you've got a zagging and vice versa, et cetera, et cetera. The only thing that happens with a sheep who's following another sheep is they sniff the sheep in the front's butt. You don't want that. So you've got to really start stepping up and learning this stuff for yourself and forming your own opinions and then acting on it. Nothing happens without action. Nothing happens without action. Give it to me in the chat room. Who's prepared to take action over the next few years? Who's prepared to take action from today onwards? Give it to me. Write action in the, uh, in the chat room. Write action. I'm going to take action. Action, action. Because you know what? Unless you're prepared to take that action and commit to it like you are right now, nothing is going to happen for you. It may happen all around you. But without action, it doesn't happen for you. Now, following on, thank you for everybody who responded. Following on from this being a sheep, I want to talk about the psychology of a market. Now, this is a very simple chart that I've got here, but it tells a very sober story. You see, when the markets are going up, everyone's in optimism. Everybody's happy. Oh, yeah, the market's going up. They get carefree. They don't have their buffers because it's easy money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then they, they start to enter the market. Then they get excited because they made a little bit of money. Like, wow, look how much money I made. And then they get the thrill of it. Then they start telling everybody how much money they made and how they should be jumping into the, the market or the share market, the property market, the whatever else. And everybody's euphoric. This is the maximum financial risk period of time. But that, unfortunately, is when the herd of sheep, the mob, jumps on board. Very, very bad. But then they start to get a little bit anxious because the market doesn't continue to go up like it was. And then they go into denial because it goes down. Like, oh, it'll come back. No, 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 it'll come back, it'll come back. And then it doesn't, it goes further down. Everybody gets fearful. And then they get desperate. And then they panic, capitulate, despondency. When the rest of the herd is all in the doldrums down here, that is the maximum financial opportunity. That's when you've got to get excited. That's when you've really got to start going, hey, you know, it's happening. We start to go in. There's people at this stage are still depressed, even though the market's going up, which is what we saw at the very latter part of 2020. And we're, you know, we're still experiencing this now. A lot of people are still in the depressed mode. Well, guess what? This is what's coming because the market will go up. And you've got to get hopeful. And then you're going to be relieved that, oh, well, it's not so bad after all. Back up to optimism. And you've got this run to go ahead before she peaks out again. It's taking action down here is where you're going to make your maximum profits. And that's the opportunity I want to talk to you about today. It reminds me of a time back in uh, GFC. It was around about 2010, 2011, something like that. It was when the market was bottoming out. And we there was a big, big uh, forum on at the time. And I was one of the speakers. And we had, um, we had some Americans come out and they were, they'd come out and, you know, America had fallen admittedly, you know, prices had fallen in America, but there was a lot of differences as to what was going on in America and Australia. And they got up on stage here, these Americans, and said, the Australian property market is going to fall by 30%. You're all going to sell your properties in Sydney and Melbourne particularly and uh, buy gold and silver. I'm sitting backstage. Now, I just prepared a whole economics report because I am an accountant. I am an economist, right? I'm, an, I'm a qualified economist. 
Um, and I'm sitting backstage and I prepared this, this talk I was going to give. And I'm going, oh, my God. If people start listening to these clowns, they are going to lose a lot of money. So I rewrote my whole presentation backstage and just threw in all of this data as to why that was not right. It was false. And I got up on stage and I was the lone voice back then going, this is not going to happen. Properties are properties are not, prices are not going to fall by, by 30%. In fact, we're in for a Sydney tsunami and a Melbourne tsunami. And I'm not talking about water. There's a tidal wave about to hit the shores of increasing pricing. And that's exactly what happened. So there were some other speakers there as well. This one was an interesting speaker. Um, Donald Trump, he wasn't obviously President of the United States then, as he's not now. And look, whether you like him or you hate him, he's certainly an interesting character. Um, he didn't give a lot of words of wisdom. I think in Sydney, he spoke about his hair um, for an hour and a half. And then in Melbourne, he, um, he talked about his previous banking situations and trouble with the banks, etc. So he did do a little bit of Melbourne, but he certainly didn't in Sydney. Anyway, he was accompanied by, by this guy. You, you will know him, Robert Kiyosaki. Now, he was one of the ones who said, sell all your properties and buy silver and gold because the market's going to crash by oh, God, they're 40%. And he wasn't alone. There was an Australian economist, actually. His name was Stephen Keane. And he was professor of the Western Sydney University at the time. He's now um, a professor of, the, of economics at the uh, Kingston University in London. And he made a big hullabaloo on the radio with, a, with a, one of the, um, the, the disc jockeys there about the fact that uh, if the market hadn't fallen by this amount, by this date, he was going to walk up Mount Kosciuszko in his shorts. Well, guess what? He walked up Mount Kosciuszko in his shorts. And, you know, there was a, that's what all the media was about. But you've got to remember, this stuff, you know, house of cards and houses falling off the cliff and, and uh, you know, debt bomb uh, set to explode and all of this stuff. This is here to entertain you. You see, bad news sells. Good news doesn't. Good news channels in the States, they set up one for about three months, a good news channel, and it went broke because nobody had advertised there. Nobody was watching it. Bad news sells. It's, this is what is entertaining. The real story isn't entertaining, and that's why it's not told. But I'm going to tell it today. You see, I took Stephen Keane's um, story, and he had a house in Surrey Hills, in uh, in Sydney, and he sold it. He made said he made this big hullabaloo about it. He sold it for I think it was five hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars, something like that. Um, and if you look at the pricing back then when he sold it to what has happened now, now I've even included the the drop there that happened in nineteen etc. Ninety seven percent increase in the property market in that space of time. And you go, okay, so what happened to gold? Did it go up? Look, it did, but I've actually been a little bit lenient because this last little sector here where it's actually gone up considerably um, is, uh, is, is COVID. So that was only last year, okay? So you look at this and go, um, okay, well, it would have done okay. People would have been okay with it, but you forget something and that is leverage. You see, Stephen Keane's house, as I said, there it is, 426,000 was. He either did have or could have had a mortgage on that property of around 80%. So that's $420,000. Now, um, the mortgage, sorry, the, if you'd rented out, the interest on that, the um, rent on that would have covered the mortgage on it. So they kind of cancel each other out there. If he sold that, obviously his equity in the property is only $106,000, which is what he would have been able to put into gold or silver or whatever he bought. So let's take it in gold. So this is what happened to the property market over that space of time. Median price up here, 
million bucks. Okay, now that is an increase of uh, $606,000 from you know there to, to there. But the thing is, that is actually a 500% return on investment because he only really had $106,000 invested. That's the power of leverage, particularly in property. Now, if we look at gold, yep, it doubled in value, great. But see the difference here? The difference is massive when you start to have a look at 100,000 versus 606. So, and if you take negative gearing into account, you know, it could have even been negative, who knows? So the, the reality is, I'm gonna make some predictions today. I'm gonna say, these are the facts. This is what the facts are telling you. You make up your own mind what you think about that. You make up your own mind as to what you believe the markets are going to do. And, you know, I'm happy either way. I'm just happy that you've actually, um, you know, thought about it enough to form your own opinion, not just get drug along like the sheep that the mainstream media want you to be. And that applies to everything. You know, we need to be, we need to stand up. We need to start speaking out. We can't be the complacent Australians anymore. When we believe in something, we've got to, we've got to speak up about it. And a lot of the stuff that we're being thrown at is there to, to lull you into um, a, a sense of complicity, which is interesting to say the least. So what did you think of that, guys? There's lots of things that we can really learn from 2020, uh, things that we can start to implement. Uh, and if you want to hear more about anything that we're doing here, I've got lots and lots and lots of free stuff. I've got videos, I've got blogs, I've got all sorts of things on my website. Just go to www.ilovereallestate.tv and there's lots and lots of free stuff there for you. I'll catch you on the next episode of the Great Real Estate Reset of 2021.